Hi everyone. This evening, I have a terrific friend of mine, Dr. Shaquita Howard Bostic. Hello, everybody. It's so wonderful to be here this evening. I am the Associate Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusivity at Shepherd University, which is located in Shepherdstown, West Virginia, about an hour and 20 minutes from Washington, D.C. I pride myself in doing diversity work. I've traveled around the world working with children, working with adults, doing a training called Help Bridge, which is an empowerment program. And outside of that, I love to roller skate, <laughs> I love bowling, and I just love being that down-to-earth person that you can talk to about very difficult situations. Thank you. Wow, that is wonderful. I didn't know about that aspect of you. I mean, my God, <laughs> it's, it's wonderful. We meet every time and I learn a little bit more about you. That is wonderful. Well, congratulations on that new promotion. That is fantastic. What do you want to talk about? I think I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be an ally. And also, I think just how you can position yourself to support underrepresented people during such a interesting political climate that we have right now going on. The first thing that I want to talk to people about is pretty much what is an ally. And I think that word will show up here or there. An ally is someone who makes a commitment. So you need to make a commitment and an effort to actually recognize your privilege. And so these are entitlements that you receive through history because of these positions that you have based upon your gender, your class, your race, even sexual identity. And once you understand your privilege, then you try to work in solidarity with groups that have been identified as oppressed groups, especially groups that struggle for justice. Allies have to understand something really important. And this is that it is in your own interest to end all forms of oppression. And you can benefit in concrete ways by actually taking the time and energy and effort to understand difference and to embrace the people around you. And most importantly, <laughs> you commit yourself to your own complicity. So you wanna make sure that you are behaving appropriately and that every action that you engage in is one that you're personally responsible for. So you actually can contribute to social justice by making the right decisions to communicate effectively and respectfully with other people because your best friends, the people you interact with on a regular basis, they see you as a role model. So they mimic and mock everything that you do. So if you take responsibility for your role in social justice activism, then you can actually change the world. You can actually make the society a more just society. And if everyone were to think that way, we would be in a better position than the one that we're in right now. Now, that is fascinating. So one of the things that you might be interested in is there is actually right now the world championship of public speaking going on right now. Toastmasters is a global organization. And I was watching some of those contestants. So at this level, these are some amazing people that think about problems and then they prepare a speech in such a way that it really changes your mind. I heard one of those speeches today. And that was where a Greek person 
was an immigrant in Australia and was being mocked. That was when he was 11 years old. But the professor, instead of scolding them and trying to say, hey, you're wrong and all that, took an oyster and basically said, the only way to get a pearl in this oyster is to put a foreign object, a piece of sand in it. If you don't put that sand in there, that pearl will never get formed. So showing people that there is that extra benefit, something that neither of you could ever have achieved alone. So this has been the thing that I always observed even in my own life. Part of the reason that I've always surrounded myself with people who are different than me and that not necessarily in terms of looking for oppressed groups or whatever groups, I basically was always looking for differences of opinion because I felt like that would make me stronger, that would make me better. I think that that is, the oyster example is a very powerful example. I thought that could be one possibility. The other thing is that sometimes we criticize people for say being the way they are. And I think that is also wrong. We, we kind of need to accept them the way they are. If they are racist, well, let's accept them as racist, but let's show them a more positive way of being a racist. And I believe there are positive ways of being a racist, because if you truly believe that you're superior, why don't you show it in your work? Instead of trying to kill somebody else, why don't you show your superiority in your work? And if you can do that, guess what? Society benefits, everybody benefits. I actually had that conversation with a racist who was a neighbor of mine. And I basically told him, I said, look, I have no problem with your racism. This is fantastic, but do it in a better way. Because <laughs> I told him, I said, if you have a superiority complex, that is nothing wrong with that. I have a superiority complex myself. What do you think of that? Well, I think the only problem with telling someone that what they're doing is magnificent, the only reason that that becomes a challenge or an issue is if they are treating people in a way that brings them down. So that's the, old, the idea of undoing oppression. So it's not necessarily about a superiority complex. It's about how you treat others when you engage that complex. So I can think all day that I am phenomenal at whatever I do, and I can also think I'm the best, but I don't have to make you feel like you're the worst while I'm engaging that. And that is racism is the power act of taking your privilege and using it to suppress someone else's ability to react and respond. So if you believe you are phenomenal, that is ethnocentrism. That in fact is not racism. And racism is the act of oppressing or putting someone else down. So at the moment that you approve of racist behavior, you're not saying that your superiority is phenomenal. You're saying that your capacity to help someone else never move where you are standing or move in a position that that is actually what is excellent. So you have to be very careful about how you use that term racism. And that's the challenge that people sometimes don't understand what that term actually means in the history of oppression and the history of privilege and how those privileges are actually utilized in ways that are designed to hurt and to stop other groups from being socially mobile. So I can never approve of someone engaging in a position where a part of that process is pushing somebody else down intentionally. How do you, how so, do you tackle that? What, what is your research and learning? Well, I think how can I, that guide us? 
So I think understanding, I think the concept of implicit bias is really important because at the point that we really understand our privileges and we understand what it is that we do well, then we're able to think critically about how there are unintended consequences that are based upon our everyday actions and reactions. Now we can't stop anything. We can't say, oh, well, I'm gonna do really well. And so if I win the competition, you're gonna lose. Well, that's the given. If you're the best at it, then somebody else is gonna come in second. But when I'm trying to move up, I don't place booby traps down so that other people can lose. And so there's a huge difference between engaging in behavior that detracts from mobility and engaging in power movements and making yourself excel in a way that where you bring other people up, you share information, you provide opportunities. Well, I've already made it here. I'm okay with providing someone else with the recipe because they'll never be the first. I did it first. And I'm going to continue to progress because while I'm progressing, I'm coming up with new ideas, new innovations that hopefully somebody can see that yellow brick road and walk down it and maybe move on. Now, I do understand that, again, there are unintended consequences for success. But what we're talking about here is beyond diversity, which is tolerating the engagement with people. That's what diversity is all about. You being in this room and me saying, okay, I guess you can be here but I'm still gonna glow. But then saying, hey, I'm here and you're here. Let's look at this shell that you talked about, right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at this shell. Let's see how we can work together. Not saying, okay, I see your shell. I'm gonna kick it. I'm gonna kick your shell. And then I'm gonna find somebody else who has a shell and I'm gonna force them to work with me in poor conditions. And I'm gonna utilize their shell to allow me to grow. And then after I get whatever I need out of that shell, I'm gonna kill you. Okay, so the one thing that... <laughs> that so this is what we're talking about. I understand. So mm -hmm. one of the things that you've probably read the literature on teamwork, and one of the things that I see happening in any time you bring two people together, doesn't matter what they are. There is a period of storming that happens. And I've seen that with two employees. Fantastic employee. I hired a brand new employee. Superstar. But these two won't get along. Particularly the guy feels like she's always pointing out my flaws. I had to intervene and create a situation where they're constantly talking. But I'm also pointing out that she is pointing out your flaws so that our entire team and your own product can actually be better. Because mm -hmm. the way you're creating the product, yes, you can be a superstar programmer, but the product that you're creating is still not where it needs to be. She's the one who's that quality control person who actually takes your product a notch higher than you alone could ever take it. That is the concept of same similar concept of the the oyster and the pearl mm -hmm. but i didn't put it that way but i basically put myself in that situation where the communication and the storming and the norming had to happen because at some point these people have to come to a normalizing relationship where they recognize that both together are more powerful than them divided and that is the conversation that still needs to happen. See, I still believe that both people have to accept each other at some point and decide to talk. So do you understand in this example that the very first term or concept that I introduced was being an ally? 
-hmm. Do you understand how you, in this case, are the ally? Uh, you are the person who's committed to recognizing elements of privilege and then utilizing those and allowing people to work in solidarity, right? Yeah, yeah. So right. someone feels like they're being oppressed. And so in turn, you are revisioning and helping them to understand how they can work effectively together. And you're building upon both of their strengths to allow growth to happen. This and the, is what and an the ally facilitated, is. facilitated conversation. And That's right. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. And so again, going back to, I have to keep repeating this, understanding what these terms actually mean, the history of these under, these terms. So mm -hmm. of course, someone could try to deconstruct concepts because that happens in society all the time. People mm -hmm. take words and they try to create something new, but you have to be very careful with the deconstruction of a term, especially if you wanted to use racism as an empowerment tool. It's such a nasty derogatory term with mm -hmm. such an invasive history that if you would want to talk about this empowerment, I would give it a different term. I wouldn't try to utilize this old term that is so abusive to express this phenomenal oysterish, holistic approach that you're presenting in terms mm -hmm. of creating ally work in the workplace. Oh, nice. So what term would you suggest? I mean, that is a good idea. I like to talk about inclusivity excellence. Mm -hmm. So some people say people who come together to create a difference, they are your inclusivity support staff or your inclusivity team. So you're talking about collaboration building or inclusivity excellence. If you could come up with something that ties those concepts. Well, what in, I have I used is the term of the team. I basically said, look, in a mm -hmm. baseball team, I would never win if I had all first basemen in that team. Mm -hmm. I need a first baseman, a third baseman, a shortstop, and an outfielder. I need a pitcher. I need every one of those roles. And that's how I see the diversity and the difference and building a solid team and a winning team. That is the concept I've always tried to use. And it has sort of worked for me. But I think in some cases, there are some people who will never, ever get there because, I don't know, maybe they have some other kind of a hang-up. But generally, people who want to at least focus on the goal and want to do it, at least in this particular case, that person who was resisting after six months, he actually sent me an email saying that he really appreciated my manager real role and leadership because he had never seen anything like it. Because other times, people had just dumped it on him to solve it with the team members. What you have just introduced is that the facilitator role or the team manager kind of a role is a very critical role in resolving these kinds of situations. Mm -hmm. Very important. And more so than that, I think it's important for us to understand that all of these players that are involved, nobody is ever going to have a perfect situation where everybody is going to follow your leadership process. I had a conversation with a colleague this morning Mm -hmm. who said, oh my goodness, there are some people who work with us who are just not following any of the protocols as they should, and it's going to make us look bad. And I told her, I said, you can't spend your great energy worrying about this collection, this small collection of people who aren't doing what they're supposed to do. 
the people who are in charge, they will see that. But you have to focus your great positive energy in the direction of those people that are making good decisions so mm -hmm. that you can use that extra energy that you have to grab ideas and to spend time communicating with them. If you waste your time caught up in that angst and anxiety and frustration from those people who are not doing instead of letting the person in that lane address that challenge, right? Then you are just taking away from your potential growth in your movement. I'm not saying that she shouldn't take a stand or comment or whatever, but if she's taking time soaking over and over during the day about these no doers, then she's wasting the positive energy time that she has. Right. You, address, you send that to the person who needs to address it. If you feel like you're going to take a stand, you take a stand, but you compartmentalize and you focus on the people who bring positive energy. Those are the allies. Those are the people who are going to provide strength. And then hopefully together, there's a solution or there's an energy that will do something about these people. But if it doesn't, sometimes those are the people who are just not going to do. So this is a wonderful thing to talk with you and chat with you every time because I learn something, I get inspired, and it is just amazing. So it was absolutely amazing catching up with you. Thank you. Dr. Shaquita Howard Bostic, thank you All right, again. Thank you. Bye-bye.